Justin Smoke, though, is making a late bid, apparently, to be... Uh, maybe he doesn't know the voting process has ended. Wow, that was a noise. I feel like predicting anything into 2019. Wait. No, that's wrong. He's, he's... <laughs> that's the second time you've been disappointed by that. <laughs> that's the best. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 109, where we've been measuring the height of the seams on everything since 2015. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it going? Good. My ah. pillows have nice, comfortable, low seams. <laughs> very, very sleek. You got to turn them inside out just to check seam height. Exactly. Uh, we're going to start off talking about Jay Happ, who got blown up in his last start, and as a reward, got to go to the All-Star game. Uh, Justin <laughs> Smoke is heating up, and uh, yeah, Hervis Solarte is slowing down running but may maybe he's a trade candidate we're, we're we're just spitballing here folks but what we know should be true is vladimir guerrero jr is going to be a buffalo bison upon his return from the disabled list which is soon uh we're going to talk about uh Sung swung oh Sung we're going to talk about the final boss and uh ryan Barucki, <laughs> who is inexplicably great we also have a chit-chat with Dr. Mike Sun about the Blue Jays' potential trade candidates uh, that they're trying to ship out and whether there's any red flags with any of them that other teams might have picked up on. As well, we have a raft of questions from you and two weird things. I don't even know what to call them from the outside the Blue Jays' sphere of, uh, of the baseball world. So first things first, J-Hap not really auditioning for the Yankees in any good way because he got beat up by the very team he was trying to audition for. Yeah, he also had six walks and two and two third, which is not not exactly an ideal performance. I, but, I think that's a coincidence, personally. I assume you also think it's a coincidence. Oh, yeah, I think it's meaningless. And I think the Yankees, they, they might try just to think, oh, you know, he's been bad the last couple. We don't want to trade you as much. It's not going to work. Well, yeah, because he's the we're going to talk about this more in depth. But essentially, other than everybody can have a bad outing. There's, I mean, if if J Hap comes off the mound limping, we're having a totally different conversation, right? And you know, so they, these teams know what he is, right? And the Yankees want him. This has been well documented by all the insiders that the Yankees want him, and they're just they're haggling over the price right now, which that's what happens. You know, the Yankees want him, the Mariners want him, I bet the Brewers want him too. He's still the top free agent pitching or rental pitching target out there. Regardless of what happened his last start, last couple starts. So I say to Ross Atkins, do it. Do the thing. I would also do say that now. to Brian Cashman or whomever yeah. would like to do it. I don't care. Is it Jerry DePoto still out in Seattle? Trader Jerry. I was going to say you would figure Jerry DePoto would have pulled the trigger twice by now. He would have traded Hap off somewhere else. But did he already <laughs> get Hap once? Like three years ago? Nah, Depoto wasn't there yet, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. trading Jerry. Um, man knows one thing he can do well. You would think he'd have already done it by now. So, of course, as, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, now that Hap is an all-star, as you alluded to, it'll be interesting what happens if he gets traded before the weekend. I was going to ask about that. The technicality of the rules there, every team needs an all-star representative. What if your all-star representative gets traded before he gets to go to the all-star game? Do you get, I presume you get some sort of substitution or addition or something? I, I was reading some examples of this. The answer seems to be no, you don't at this point in the game. If they if he'd been traded earlier, they probably still would have, but he would just probably go and be announced as, as a Blue Jays representative, even if he's not on the Blue Jays. That is some sad, sad situation right there. That the only yeah. player good enough to hit the all-star team is the only player good enough to be traded away before the all-star game. Save Steve Pierce. So that is the state of the all-star game. Justin Smoke, though, is making a late bid, apparently. to be. Maybe he doesn't know the voting process has ended. Yeah. Well, I mean... 
there was he had a case before the teams were named because the American first base is a tire fire. They're all terrible. <laughs> the only I was reading first somewhere, baseman, yeah, one win above replacement is like the bar for a first baseman this year. For the American League, the NL is loaded with great first basemen, but there's only one first baseman that has qualified batting at like a number of at bats with an OPS over 800, and it's Justin Smoke. Woof. Yeah, much more Lind doesn't have enough at bats, but he's up there too. But Smoke is he's on fire. His you know he entered today with an OPS of 820, and he had of his last 15 hits, 11 had gone for extra bases. Yeah, he doesn't have that big lofty, you know, home run to the third deck, Justin Smoke swing that we saw maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, but he does seem to really be again. We've known this for a long time. Justin Smoke, when he hits the ball, hits the ball very, very hard. The initial problem with him was he never hit the ball enough. Seemed to clear that out of his system. Uh, I don't know what's been going on this year, but he continues to hit the ball really hard. Yeah, and he's he's drawing walks and he's showing that. You know, last year's 38 home runs may have been a bit of a fluke, but he's turned himself into an above-average baseball player, and that's not something that anybody really saw coming at the time they signed his contract. Because it was for a below-average price. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much more we need to say about that. Congratulations, Justin. You continue to amuse and amaze. Uh, Yen Hervis Solarte. Oh. Oh, well, I guess we should just mention that his the, the value of his option has continually going up because of plate appearances for Justin Smoke, that is. And the Blue Jays don't seem worried about that at all. Nor should they be. I mean, at <laughs> most it gets to it can get to is eight million dollars. I mean, for what he's giving eight million dollars is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, there are no walk on candidates to replace Justin Smoke at that price. Yen uh, Herbert Solarte. Uh, the first thing that most people have noticed is, man, does he hit into a lot of double plays and jog them out? <laughs> the second thing we might have noticed is 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 it going to be too crowded in the infield very shortly and now is the time to trade him while you're waiting for oh I don't know someone with a famous baseball name to be promoted to the big league club <laughs> and I mean this is the thinking right so again Harvey Solarte is fine you know, he's not a star by any means he's a useful base he's a useful player who can play third, he can play second, he can play first, you can stick him in left, he can even fake shortstop for a game or two if you have to. And he's got a club option next year for five and a half million bucks and $8 million a year after that. So that would lead many to think he might stick around. But as you mentioned, that infield is going to get pretty crowded and that's a type of player and contract that playoff teams could use. Yeah, he he's also clearly comfortable in a part-time role, right? He's, he's not a guy who expects to play every day. Uh, and he can produce when he doesn't have to play every day. That's the other thing that that playoff teams tend to be looking for to you know fill in for guys who are tired, uh, fill in for guys who might be not injured but hurt. Um, like you said, he's got some utility there, as opposed to Steve yeah. Pierce, who's already been traded and had no utility whatsoever. <laughs> right, and Slotty's a switch hitter, so he offers that kind of advantage too, where you can put him in any day and it doesn't really matter who the pitcher is. You know, for especially, I'm thinking of a team like the Phillies, who kind of, you know, they they they've got a bunch of guys that they're using, but none of them are great at their positions. And if you have another guy like Solarte, you can shift them in and out, and you know, it, it, that's what you want out of your late season position player additions if they're not superstars. Plus, he's a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun. Who who doesn't want a little dancing? in their um, dugout now and again. And he hits massive bombs. <laughs> when he hits them, it's the weirdest thing. Is is I believe his career total single season, was was it not 16 home runs? Mm, 18, I think. 18? And he's at like 16 this year? Yeah. He, yeah, he's two away from his career high. He's got 16 and his career high is 18. For how, how massive some of these home runs are, you would wonder why he had not come around to hitting more but he did play in seattle for a little bit that that does damn no, san thing. diego sorry san diego is what I, i'm picturing san diego not saying it um yeah that's that's gonna dampen your home run total a smidge yeah <laughs> anyway so he could be interesting and you know when we've talked about the trade candidates before we didn't list him off because of his contract situation but that's arguably what makes him one of the more valuable pieces yeah absolutely Okay, 
so the, the guy who's going to make the infield hopefully the most crowded obviously we had an update on josh donaldson josh donaldson is uh, is, is he up to baseball activities is that the official word now yeah something like that um he's whatever. on the way he's playing he's doing stuff again he's not just getting setback after setback right um we have questions about setbacks not relating to mr donaldson <laughs> we'll get to those uh so vlad jr vlad jr is coming back from a almost intentional they basically said when he injured uh his sorry tendon patellar his tendon knee. his knee uh, that it was going to be a month so he's he's getting around to that month and they're saying hey when he comes back he's coming back as a buffalo bison not as a new hampshire fisher cat basically acknowledging they were about to promote oh i don't know the guy who was hitting 400 um before he was getting before he got injured and it just so happened that that timing wasn't that wasn't the greatest yeah I mean, he, he'd clearly shown that there was nothing left for him in double a he was just destroying the league at a level that people don't usually destroy the league even when they're not 19 years old and every scout i have ever read um has said 80 hit tool for sure probably 80 power in a 19 year old kid which is insane yeah i mean uh, i can't remember who, who said it it might have been an anonymous anonymous executive or something saying that there's no park that can hold him and this is a guy who's also hitting 407 as a 19 year old in double a um yeah the, the the other thing that i had heard was was a scout who uh he was watching vlad watched him a couple of at bats saw him sizing up a pitcher prior to his at bat and he thought well if he gets the fastball this first pitch we'll see what vlad can actually do because i can tell from the on deck circle that that's exactly what he's looking for and sure enough vlad got it and hit it off the hotel um, and he thought, well, that's really all I need to see about <laughs> Junior. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we had Ben Badler on before. It was just effusive in his praise of Vlad Junior. He's the real deal. And he's one more one step closer or about to be one step closer to the bigs. And I don't see I mean, they don't throw any harder in um, in AAA. We, we know that uh, it's sometimes some of them throw smarter. So we'll see if he can outthink some of the more savvy, uh, you know, sort of veteran pitchers but it's not gonna be a matter of 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 some kind of stuff that he hasn't seen already no and ross atkins essentially said the same thing it's just the pitchers are a little bit more advanced it's not whereas double a pitchers you're getting a lot of just as you mentioned pure stuff thrown at you whereas triple a pitchers are pitchers so it'll be a nice test for him and i don't think we're gonna see him in the bigs this year I don't know what other noise to make. That's blasphemy, Josh. Everybody wants but to it see might him be in true. September. I mean, here, here's the thing. And we, we think we talked about this way back when. The only way that made sense for Vlad Jr. really to come up and play this year was if the Jays were in the playoff hunt and he was going to help. They're so far out of it, it makes more sense to keep him down for the first three weeks of next year and keep him for an extra year. And, and I get that. But uh, that's still blasphemy. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't care how you pronounce it. <laughs> it's not right, son. It, uh, and I totally agree. But I think it's going to happen. So the bright side of all that, folks, is you you can get tickets to a Bison's game if you have uh, the ability to cross the border. It really isn't that far. So we'll let you know next week if if uh, that's on the schedule already, or if they're going to hold off a couple more days. You wanted yeah. to talk about uh, the final boss, the Stone Buddha. Sounds yeah, you, you, you porky pigged his name in the opening. It was pretty funny. I did. I did just... so, so showing what so, <laughs> final boss. <laughs> Sometimes my tongue and my teeth argue right inside my mouth and it doesn't come out. Yeah. I mean, we're like, as you mentioned before with other guys, we're going to get to owe a bit more in depth when we talk to Mike later, but he's now down to a 295 ERA. With a three with a ten five five strikeout per nine, twenty eight point seven strikeout percentage, above average whiff percentage, he has an option for next year. The Jays got a decent return for Joe Smith last year, and O is pitching better than Joe Smith was. 
and you know th this is exactly what happens when you sign some relievers late in the offseason that you hope you hope that as many of them pan out as possible if they pan out they're hopefully helping you to make a playoff push and if they're not making that then they are a useful asset as a playoff push for the following year makes perfect sense and sometimes you get joe smith and and oh and sometimes you get uh you know i've i've blocked his name out of my head that's how bad that is okay who, who's the other pitcher you... last year <laughs> side armor i assume you're no i assume you're talking about a, a left-handed reliever jp yes. howell howell yes yeah sometimes you get jp howell yeah he was terrible but uh I'm getting to become a bit of a broken record here, but the reason I want to bring this up again because everybody else is getting hurt or going backwards. <laughs> Let's... And O is still performing, and I want him to keep performing because it's really, really nice. If, it would be really nice if they could actually have a guy whose value goes up into the deadline. Anything is possible. Uh, and then uh, I guess as the last part of our, our you know, player highlights uh, because the Blue Jays aren't exactly you know playing any important games uh, Ryan Barucki in the anything is possible category I think Ryan Barucki is the most unlikely thing I've seen this year so far he was he was great again he was uh, it's it's interesting I mean Barucki by all accounts from every scout is back of the rotation starter right you know a guy who's a command guy with a good change up not much of a breaking ball all of that's true, but he owned the World Series champion Astros, pitched even better against the Tigers, and then he held the Yankees down for six innings, I believe. For, was it one run? Seven. Seven, seven yeah, innings, seven one innings, run. Seven innings, one run. Yeah. What, I don't know what else you say. And then you, you look at these, you know, 86-mile-an-hour swing and miss. You're like, What? <laughs> <laughs> that's like Aaron. Well, that's Judge. his changeup. That, that's his changeup. But he Still. throws like ninety-four. Um, the the amount of of unusual swing and miss. I I don't know. I, I, there are a lot of Blue Jays pitchers who don't seem to have a lot of swing and miss um, in their repertoire, uh, starters specifically. So it was kind of nice to see a guy come up and uh, and do all of that. So hopefully he continues because uh, tonight Sam Gavilio. You know, the shine kind of came off a little bit as the Braves roughed him up. Shine came off. It's like it fell into a puddle of mud and it got caked on tar, <laughs> a muddy tar. But <laughs> Rocky, I mean, he's got that, you know, he's got a good, really good run on his fastball and he's got a real good changeup. And as long as he's throwing strikes, he might continue to be something a little better than what we thought and you know he's gonna get another test next time out against boston talk about going into the fire houston new york and boston three of your first four starts and uh yeah i'm sure he'll weather the storm again how bad could it be all right that Check concludes you. your weekly update and we have a lot of questions to get to so uh we're not going to rant about anything right now we're just going to uh go to mike's son uh we're going to talk about fu's and uh and stuff and those are actually math mathematical things not stuff i just pulled out of my hat and uh, then we're going to come back with uh with more after that see you in a sec and we are pleased to announce the return of dr mike's son to the podcast dr mike or Dr. Sun, depending on who you want to <laughs> talk How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, guys. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be back. And, and glad to have you. You are our pitching pain guru um, around Baseball Toronto. So we thought uh, there probably is going to be some pitching trading activity, and uh, we might get a, a different spin on that. So I'm, I'm just going to dive right in here. Big target. First guy that comes to mind is Jay Happ. Uh, so the question I would ask you right off the top is, if a team is scouting Jay Happ, is there something in his stuff uh, that they would be particularly attracted to, or is there a change in his stuff that they might get scared away by in his last, you know, maybe half dozen starts or something like that? Really, like, the, the thing that you're getting with Jay Happ is that I feel like the pitcher he's been the past 
you know, three years, you're, you're getting that guy. Um, the thing that always is remarkable to me when I look at, uh, stuff and, and particularly with Jay Happ is like, he is remarkably consistent. Uh, you know, his velocity doesn't really go, it doesn't dip. Uh, sometimes if he throws a few more curveballs, that's, uh, that you, you get to see a change there. But I, I think, you know, if somebody's trying to acquire the Verlander of uh, 2017, they're not going to get it in Hap. But somebody who's going to give you some really good innings, give your team really good opportunity to win, uh, I think you can count on him for that. Um, you know, he, I, he's just so consistent. Uh, he gets shelled every now and then. But, I mean, who doesn't by the Yankees? Uh, I, I think uh, I think teams are, are, are pretty confident what they're going to be getting uh, if they were to acquire Hap. So, um, you know, I think that bodes well for the Jays because they have something that resembles a pretty proven and consistent commodity on their hands. So basically, you know, all this, well, and there's not much, but we're hearing some worry in the, you know, in the Toronto sports talk about his last few starts and how that could affect his trade value. So basically what you're saying is that any team that's watching is not really seeing a difference. It was just a small bump in the road. I would say that's that's very very accurate. Uh, it's a long season, as as we're told time and time again, um, and it doesn't appear that you know it, there's anything going on with his stuff that's a sign that maybe he's injured or anything like that. It's just it's a couple bumps along the way. So out of the bullpen, there are a few targets. The the big one I think that that uh, sort of has captured people's attention is is Sung Hwang Oh. Because he has, after you know, starting out with some lower velocity at the beginning of the year, he's really rounded into form, and, and he seems to be able to be uh, be quite effective more often than not, uh, without you know being walk crazy or anything else. Uh, is 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 he on the chart for you know great stuff as a reliever, or is he just having you know a good season? You know, he's he's one of those guys that. Uh he doesn't really get it done by having just blow you away stuff. Like his velocity is not super elite. It's not like he possesses just in, incredible uh, breaking pitches. He's he's a decent command guy. He throws what he's got with conviction. And uh, as much as you want to try and quantify it, he's the final boss, right? Like he's, <laughs> he, he's got the mentality of, of the reliever to, to shut down games when he needs to, whether he's closing or he's coming in in the sixth, seventh or eighth inning. Uh, O looks like he is a little bit more of the uh, the Sungwon O that came into the league uh, with the Cardinals his first season, and a little bit uh, less of the guy that was the the second half of of last year. Um, I think he's another nice uh, trade piece uh, for the Jays to have, and and probably a very solid bullpen addition uh, for for some playoff competitor. You know, it's funny you're talking about his nickname and how that reflects on him. The Stone Buddha version, I was just reading this today, was actually because he's just completely stoic. It yeah. had nothing to do with him being awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's just uh, got a no change in facial expression, whether it's uh, giving up massive home runs or he's shutting down innings. <laughs> or drinking and after guess... the game or anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need to keep a camera on them. It's like that, that Corey Kluber meme that went around a few uh, years ago. <laughs> Excited, happy, sad, just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And uh, obviously there's a couple other trade. Well, you know, they're trade focused right now because it's up coming up and the Jays suck. But they've no. got a couple other guys, you know, expiring contracts, Axford, Clippard. Are you seeing anything that would be interesting on well, – well, we'll get to fatigue in a minute, but just on stuff with those guys? I mean, the the one that's like really exciting is is John Axford. Like his stuff looks excellent. Uh, his stuff uh, is as good as it's been in in very recent memory. Um, his, uh, his he's falling into like the ninety eighth percentile for stuff uh, with you good. know, yeah, over ninety five mile an hour. And then he's got some really actually excellent breaking pitches when it comes to measuring the distance the way that we do in the the stuff metric. Um, he's got had some bumps in the road, but I mean. When you throw 95, uh, you've got a little bit more room for error. Uh, and once again, like with Axford and then, you know, with Clippard, he's not as much of a stuff guy uh, as Axford is. But both of them, you know, they're the type of reliever that teams are really looking for to bolster themselves for playoff runs. They're guys that have done this before. Uh, they, You know, if they do give up a, a bad outing, it's not like that was the first time they've ever gotten rocked. Uh, they can rebound and come back and, and pitch just as well. Uh, in, in the next game so you know 
the Blue Jays' bullpen has been a story of this entire season because they've they've had some ups and downs, but in reality, like this team could be way, way, way worse off if uh, if this bullpen wasn't pitching the way it was because the starters were just so horrifically bad out of the gate, and you know even now, um, you know you're not sure what you're going to get with them. It's good to see Stroman have a good one last night, um, but realistically. You know this uh, this Blue Jays bullpen has been kind of a bright spot for them, and uh, if anything, it could it could serve as a really bright spot for the future because they could have some resources they could turn into some guys that might contribute in 2020 or whatever it may be. So you do allude to the starters being either absent or awful, other than the Mr. Hap in question. Uh, the two names that keep getting sort of bounced back and forth as maybe pieces that the Blue Jays would get a big return for or maybe not um, Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman because these guys both have control uh, where and, and a lot of talent but neither of them has really uh, reached their, their potential this year on anything a consistent basis. Is there anything in the numbers that, that says those two guys have changed? The thing with uh, with Sanchez is like he's been a high velo and uh, a big breaking pitch guy for his entire career, and then this year at the start of the season he he came out of the gates you know the velocity was down a little bit and he was relying almost entirely on his uh, his changeup, and then the curveball kind of gets splashed in there and you know his results were hit and miss. Um, you know, he had a decent win-loss record, but he really wasn't doing too much in the way of, of getting strikeouts or, or getting out of jams. Um, so his stuff is good. It's down a little bit if compared to previous seasons. Um, the problem with him is just, you know, Eno Saris wrote a really good article looking at a couple of different ways of quantifying command. And, and Sanchez has some of the worst command in Major League Baseball. And I'm just not sure when you have a problem like this blister thing and maybe he's lacking feel in that finger, you're just not too sure what, what he could ever continue to develop into um, on that command front. So he's a bit scary there Uh, with Stroman. His stuff is actually down compared to years past Uh, last season, near the end of the season, he was having some of the best stuff of his, his uh, career. But his stuff has now dropped down to you know below league average. Uh, his velocity uh, on the fastball is around 92 miles an hour, which is actually below league average uh, velocity. And then he doesn't get a whole lot of separation uh, in between his pitches. Uh, you know the distance between his breaking pitches, or even the di- the uh, the separation in his uh, his velocity. Um, he's less than 10% between his peak velocity and his lowest possible velocity. And when you know, we've talked about the uh, the uh, the height being a, an issue in the past because you know he can't get a curveball uh, up uh, to to get more drop on it uh, just because of uh, his release point. And uh, I'm I'm worried there because it, it does seem like he's kind of changed what he was was doing in in previous seasons. And with both of those guys, regardless of what they're doing, uh, what they're doing with their stuff or, or what they may change in, in mechanics, it, it always shocks me that they b- both don't just strike out more hitters like, by accident, like Sanchez even. Uh, like, they, they've both shown many times that they've got, uh, you know, a, quite the pitch arsenal to, to do that. But just the fact that their strikeout rates are just so incredibly low when you compare them to other starters around the league who have comparable stuff to them. Um, I, if I were to, you know, say who's got the trade value of, of the two guys right now, I don't know what you could possibly get out of Sanchez uh, with how his last two seasons have gone. So I think you've got to kind of ride that out and and say what can we uh, what can we hope he can develop into because I, I do still think he's got a high ceiling. But if somebody blows you away with an offer uh, for Stroman, I think you'd be foolish to to not listen to it. I think Stroman might be one of those guys where there is a team saying, oh, I, we can fix Marcus Stroman. He's just not listening to the Blue Jays looking at his arsenal. And I wonder if that, that would be the attraction for, for a team. Yeah, I mean, he, he's shown decent durability. This year was a, a bit of a blip, and, and who knows what actually 
you know, happened there, uh, whether it was shoulder or if it was between the ears. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a few seasons, 200 innings. Uh, he is a great athlete. Like you watched last night, like, you know, running the bases, um, and fielding his position. There's a lot that you could say that th- th- there's a lot of potential with Stroman. Like I, I still, you know, as, as this season has gone, I, I still believe that he really has a lot of things that could make him into an absolutely great pitcher. Cause I think he's just, he is very, um, very cerebral uh, in in what he's trying to do to get hitters out. Uh, he's a great athlete. He's very committed to to making sure he's got great flexibility, great mobility. Um, there, there's a lot there to like, but uh, you know the way things have gone this season, maybe it is just a matter of of getting him somebody else to talk to him to to try and coach him and and deliver on his potential. All right. Now taking it away from these potential and back to the bullpen where things are happier. You no, obviously you no half is the, half is a starter. Oh, oh. oh no! Wow. wow, that was a noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just starting their CSI Miami section. Yeah, of the podcast. that is going to be in the first ten seconds of the podcast now. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you got a question. Uh, yeah, so stuff metric was your first, the first stat you designed, and then you went to the fatigue units or the FUs. That's something that I think teams may or may not be fully aware of. That they may still be looking at raw innings totals. But are there any red flags from these Jays relievers that think maybe you know they might need to trade them quickly before people see a crash? Because just to be clear, because there's a reason we're not listing Ryan Tapera and Danny Barnes tonight. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, and that that that's rough. Uh, that's some pretty bad luck. Um, actually, the one thing that I'd say, as much as uh, Gibby gets beaten up, uh, he's done a pretty darn good job of managing the workload of his his bullpen. None of the guys uh, are are standing out when it comes to fatigue units and and exactly just how many uh, you know fatigue units they're accumulating. Um, there's nobody that's really totally kind of jumped out in terms of how many back-to-back appearances they've had. Like Clifford and uh, and uh, Aaron Loop have both appeared 11 times back-to-back, but it hasn't. You know, the, neither of those are are standing out as being you know top 10 in the league. So everyone uh, in that bullpen, really anybody in the uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, pitching staff, none of them are putting up extreme uh, workload seasons. They're they're being their workloads are being managed uh, pretty well. Uh, and I mean, you do mention Tapera, and I think he, uh, you know, he's up in the top fifty. Um, the the highest fatigue unit guy on the team right now is Clippard, uh, but even Clippard, um, when you look at the the entire MLB. Um, he's he he's like at 38 or something like that, uh, you know, top 40. So he's not you know putting up ridiculously high workloads. His his workload's been managed uh, relatively well. Um, you know, the the reverse of that is you know I, I, when I look at the fatigue units, Edwin Diaz right now has uh, two more fatigue units than the second place guy uh, and has appeared in 19 back to back games. So. Uh, when you compare uh, against something like that, you know the Blue Jays' workload's been managed fairly well. Hooray! Yeah, <laughs> yay! Let's, and I, I did, honestly like Josh. I'm sure you can attest to this. It's like really, really bad for you to to throw baseballs. Um, like it's really bad for your arm. And <laughs> yes, uh, every now and then, <laughs> you know, it just catches up to guys. And there's a good chance that Tapera comes back, and you know that was a blip. Uh, but realistically, and Anytime somebody goes out to pitch, there's a chance this happens to, to anyone, really. That, yeah. yeah, it's a sad truth, really. It's, it, it, is, it is a bit of a game, um, whether you're injured as a pitcher. They, the breakage level, very, very high. Um, well, yeah, and even just the pain tolerance level, too, right? Like, uh, There's very few of these guys that go out there, and I'm sure their arm feels 100% every single time they throw. I think Indeed. Mark Bartley basically said that it felt like 80% every single day. Yeah. Well, imagine if he was at 100%. He's probably throwing 97 or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no. We're all making... No, nah, no. That's that's probably fake news. 
Um, so, <laughs> uh, speaking of fastballs and 97 miles an hour, and you, I mean, you alluded to the fact that the Blue Jays don't, uh, a couple of the Blue Jays do not strike out as many people as you would expect. Um, one of the other things is the Blue Jays, you had an article up at The Athletic, please subscribe, uh, that said essentially the Blue Jays are not following a league trend of pitching backwards, which is to throw breaking balls in what were traditionally fastball counts. And I guess my question about that is is if you could highlight how you figured that out just quickly, and then is that a good or a bad thing to be bucking a league trend? Because sometimes that means you're ahead of the curve, and other times it means you're behind. I, I, in this situation, I think this is more of a, a lagging uh, thing than it is a leading thing. Uh, th- honestly, um, it, it took me a while to finish off this piece, just uh, getting all of the data together. But I started writing it after that June 5th game where O gave up like an absolutely massive home run on a 0-0 fastball that he threw right down the middle to to the Yankees uh, for a grand slam. And I was just thinking, like, it seems like the Blue Jays are throwing a ton of fastballs when they get behind, uh, and and that's when they're getting crushed. And, and particularly throwing a lot of fastballs, you know, on even on 0-0 counts. So... I just took a look at uh, you know the percentage of fastballs that the Blue Jays as a staff throw uh, compared to league average uh, when their pitchers are trailing the hitter in the count, and it turned out you know in 2015-2016 they were looking uh, around league average if not better than uh, league average. Now they're throwing way more fastballs uh, with the hitter ahead in the count, and when you look at um, you know pitchers particularly like last. Uh, year's World Series with Charlie Morton um, and with Lance McCullers Jr. Those are guys that throw a lot of breaking pitches, uh, you know, when they are uh, getting behind or even to start off counts. And the whole idea of, of you know, pitching backwards is that you're trying to keep the hitters from ever teeing off on what you're about to throw. And I think what is is happening is the Blue Jays are getting behind and then hitters are getting very they're finding it quite easy to predict what's coming next. And that may be um, one of the reasons why they've struggled so much, particularly with the starters. Yeah, and Trevor Bauer would be another good example of a guy that turned himself into a success by throwing more breaking balls. But uh, I, I wonder, and, and it's interesting, you alluded to the piece that I wrote early in the season. I wonder if it seems like the Jays potentially backed themselves into a corner with the way they acquired pitchers because they like, again, this was just a hypothesis of mine, but it seemed like they were getting all these guys who were reliant on fastballs to get outs. And I'm wondering if perhaps it's just like there's nothing else they can really do given their arsenals. Well, and that's something that I looked at uh, a little bit in this article too. Not not in the, the sense that you did, Josh, but like part of it's that the Blue Jays pitchers don't really have good breaking pitches. Mm-hmm. Like they when you look at like swinging strike rates and you look at uh, like weighted on base, you know, swinging strike rates in particular, the blue Jays are better than league average with their fastballs and getting swinging strikes. Uh, They're, you know, they're better than league average when it comes to weighted on base average. Uh, They, they have decent fastballs, but it seems like they, when they miss, they, they really are getting tattooed. And, Josh, I was actually like, you know, when when we were, I was preparing to come on here, it was something I wanted to have a discussion with with you was, you know, you called it like a market inefficiency. And when we when you look for market inefficiencies, you're essentially trying to find something that uh, other people aren't paying for. So mm-hmm. whether it's discount shopping or it's being smart with your money or whatever you want to call it. Like there's a reason why it's an inefficiency, right? Because you're trying to find a surrogate for some other form of success. And with pitching, you know, maybe it's peak velocity that is that success, or having you know really good breaking pictures uh, pitches is that reason for success. But when you start going for inefficiencies, there's a reason it's an inefficiency, um, and it's not really like the Moneyball era of where you know on base percentage was uh, a great predictor of success compared to batting average. This is a little less subtle, and you know, if you continued looking at that or or not, Josh, like, it, it, is that something that you've seen in the numbers too? Like, is this inefficiency coming back to bite them now because, you know, the the, the rest of the league's on to them, or is this I, just? 
just age catching up with some of these guys. Well, I think it's sort of a combination because part of the problem with this inefficiency, if they were really leaning into it as the way it seemed they were, is that it relied on main, maintaining those kind of numbers, right? Because if you're if your only value to a team is that you're bringing an outlier movement on your fastball, the second it stops moving that much, you're going to get crushed. And we saw that with Jaime Garcia. His stuff took a step back, a huge step back this year, actually, in terms of velocity and movement in, in, the, in those outlier angles. And he got destroyed. And Marco Estrada lost an inch of rise on his fastball. So I think that part of it is that I'm sure that teams can just recognize that they're doing this, as you alluded to. But I also think that some of it is just it's dangerous because it's risky. Yeah. You want to you guys want to want to get woke for a second here? <laughs> sure. Uh the uh, the articles on 538, uh, the articles and, and data that Justin Verlander tweeted about baseballs changing their seams. Did this screw the Blue Jays? Did this like did this take away their their inefficiencies? Because Marco Estrada, if you look at his like changes in his his performance outcomes, like it almost exactly mirrors when the supposed change in seams were. Yeah, that's true. Like mid 2015. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's like the exact moment when. And I mean, it's not like he hasn't had his his stellar performances since then, but that's kind of when when things started changing. Oh, all right. We got woke. Yeah. <laughs> Put on foil hats, guys. Stupid baseball. Screwing yeah. the Blue Jays. <laughs> Is all the Jays making the postseason a couple years in a row? They're like, nah, nah, we can't have that. Yeah, yeah hell no. Nah. Hell no, nah, we can't be having any more championship banners flying north of the border. And and of course, the home run thing was a complete side effect. The main purpose of it was to mess with the Blue Jays. And it just so happens that that created a home run surge that they weren't expecting, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Eno wrote a piece. Uh, I looked at some of the data, too. And, like, blister rates, like, that's when all the blisters started peaking, too. So guys who were able to maintain their spin rates and their their break distances had to do it with probably a little bit more force on, yeah. on the ball. Cause Sanchez that's when actually Sa- said that specifically. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that, uh, that, that scene change might be, uh, it might be one of the reasons why we've seen some of these, uh, these downturns for the blue Jay pitchers. Time to go back to the drawing board, I guess. Yep. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, you, uh, we appreciate you stopping by and always give people an opportunity to tell us what they've been up to you are going to be up to something in cincinnati yeah uh my uh my my good friend and friend of the podcast nick dyka and i are are having a road trip this weekend to go and uh and see the neighborhood play uh podcast so we're going to be doing a live podcast on the night of the home run derby at the Rhinehouse Bar in Cincinnati on Monday night. Uh, so talking baseball, talking the Cincinnati Reds, um, knowing Nick and I probably talking about where we got pizza, uh, but should be a really good time. And uh, the uh, the podcast will raise money for a local charity in Cincinnati to, to purchase sporting equipment for our kids. And we know that you and Nick go way back, 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 back. Ooh. <laughs> Chris Berman references are not supposed to be allowed. Yeah, but it's the night of the home run derby. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, well, that that one's out to Kalamazoo. I, I just remember that from when I was living in Windsor and uh, the Detroit home run derby. Oh, sounds like a good time. Um, we do appreciate you stopping by, Doc. And uh, hopefully we will see one of those people traded for some assets that we can ask you, also ask you about their stuff as soon as they arrive on the scene. You got it. Uh, I'd be happy to uh, to do that. So hopefully we talk again soon, guys. All right. Have a good one. See ya. Ah, that was a lot of fun. We we know more now that uh, I don't think we have anything to fear in terms of what's what's about to happen with the Blue Jays pitchers. No, it was oddly reassuring. Which, you know, we can't say that very often. <laughs> That's what the, the oddly is like underlined and capitalized. <laughs> all right. We have uh, we have all of our questions answered, but now we have to answer some questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. 
Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Oh, many, many things. Many, many things come our way. The first one from Brian Donnelly. Uh, he actually asked this back on the 6th, but we're going to catch up with him now. With the Jays, snake bit by injuries, I got curious. What's the record for the most shortstops used in a season? It's 10, and thanks to Ben Lindbergh for graciously looking this up. What do you think the Jays' odds are of breaking this record? If they tie, if they just send out Kendris Morales. So I'll answer the second question, second part of that first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, he's already he's already pitched and played third. So it's like he's comfortable on the left side of the infield. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough for the Jays to get there. Right now they're at seven. Guriel, Ngope, Solarte, Russell Martin, and then Urania, Urshela, and Ledmus Diaz. If, if Troy Tulowitzki somehow comes back, that's eight. And maybe... Maybe a cup of coffee for a Boba Shet. That's nine. It's, it's hard to see where any more of them really come from. So, I, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get our Kendry's shortstop appearance. Who, who is playing shortstop in Buffalo? Uh, Urania. Right. And we've already had him. That doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. I, there's a limit. Because they're not calling up Kevin Biggio to play short. Uh, no. Okay. What do we got? All right. This next question, it's a two-parter. There's two questions in one. From Josh Traits at Traitsy, are we sure Chulo is even alive? And from Luke, can't even anymore at Split Letters, does Chulo play more than 50 games with Jays, with the Jays for the remainder of his contract? Okay, I'm going to answer Luke's question first with another question. Uh, are they going to legalize the use of the Segway scooter on the field? Because I feel... <laughs> feel like that would help Tulo's chances a lot at this point. Um, are we sure Tulo is even alive? Someone is sure he's alive. Is it us specifically? I, I do not believe what I can't see with my own eyes. No, that's We have true. no evidence. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have... Uh, last time we saw him was when they were in Tampa, right? He kind of... He had a, a picture that looked like a missing persons thing, but it was actually his own kid on the on his t-shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was it symbolism? Uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm not very good at predictions, but I predicted this at the beginning of the season. I'm not going to make another prediction because I'm surely going to be wrong about it. But I, I this season, I think, is is a total write-off for Tudor. I don't think he comes back. Um, but I really, I wouldn't speak to next season. And then there's the season after that, is there not? No, there's not. It's only an option for that one. Still... Yeah. I feel like predicting anything into 2019. Wait. No, that's wrong. He's, he's... <laughs> that's the second time you've been again. disappointed by that. That's the best. <laughs> Every time you try and end this contract, nope, he's around for another year. Yeah, he's got. A, he's under contract for 14 million in 2020, and then there's an option for 2021. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm not. So yes, he's gonna play far. 50 games. All right. Fair. Fair, fair. All right, I'll give you. I'll hit you another one. This is from Kate Stanwyck at OK Stan. Okay. Which Blue Jays would you like to see face off in a home run derby? Uh like current Blue Jays, I think obviously uh, Justin Smoke, Yen Hervis Solarte, um, Teoscar Hernandez, and Marcus Stroman. Those would be my four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If now, if it could only be the final two, though, who would it be? Uh, I, I think it would probably be Teoscar Hernandez versus Yen Hervis Solarte because I feel that those two guys would embrace the spirit of a home run derby more than anybody else. I like it. I'm going to go with Lukey Barrels <laughs> <laughs> and Solarte because you can't not have Solarte. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What do we got here? Uh, I got to give you one. Oh, uh, do you? This is from Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. Once again, do you have any favorite MLB trade stories? Not necessarily Blue Jays. Her favorite is Jason Grilly and uh, Ernesto, Frieri. Ernesto Frieri meeting by chance in the Chicago airport washroom after being traded for one another, like ships that's, passing in the night. That's pretty good. My favorite for sure is still John McDonald getting traded for himself. <laughs> he was the player to be named later? Yeah, 2005, I think it was. He was traded to the Tigers for a player to be named later, and then at the end of the season, the Tigers just sent him back. The Jays loaned him. <laughs> for no good reason. 
I believe it was Ichiro Suzuki who got to leave the Seattle Mariners, walk across the diamond, go into the opposing dugout, and put on the Yankees uniform. Was it not? So, uh, yeah, I believe so. I, uh, to me, that's just silly, but pretty cool. I like that one as a trade story. Get out of here. We'll see you later in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a trade story, but just one I have to share because it's ridiculous. This was relayed to me by a friend of mine who was in the room. But when A.J. Burnett signed with the Yankees after opting out of the Blue Jays, Jesse Litch celebrated because he thought that meant he was going to get a lot of money. No. Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> Just no, that's... Like, he's like, oh, yeah, all right, sweet. Now it's my turn to get paid. No. A few more years. <laughs> a few more years. Got to be good, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just a minor, minor detail. Uh, okay, here's a tough one from Brendan Panikar at Panikar37. If the organization had to make a decision today of who to extend in the offseason and who to trade, who stays and who goes between Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman? This is really tough. Uh, I think if they had to extend one and trade one, it's Stroman that would go and Sanchez would be extended for be simply because you could probably get Sanchez for cheaper right now, even with a Boras client, and Stroman is healthy. <laughs> I, I will, for other reasons, say the same answer. I, I think the team is 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 happier with Sanchez as a uh, as a player, the, although the the Boras client thing always makes it tough to tell than they are at the moment uh, with Stroman. But that could be just me reading too much into rumors. Yeah, and just you know, to take this a little step further, if the Blue Jays were to decide that they were willing to trade Marcus Stroman or Aaron Sanchez, the reality is that they would trade both of them. There'd be no, there's no sense in trading one and keeping the other one because they're both free agents at the same time. You're closing that window. Yeah, so you're giving up on the same principle when you trade one of them. I'd follow you. Yep. Hit me with another one. Okay, this is our last one. Since Brian A, will will, we will accept your apology, Brian, for not having any questions this week. But wait, no. See, that was a question, so you don't have to accept his apology because he asked a question. True. So the answer, Brian, <laughs> we'll find out if you don't have any questions. So the real question from Aaron Pulesky <laughs> at Pulesky29. Assuming health, healthiness from now to the deadline, hashtag jinx, not jinx, Rank these players in order of highest to lowest trade value. Smoke, Granderson, Depera, Solarte, and Pilar. Asking asking for a friend. Uh, I say... Uh, Granderson, Solarte... Actually, no. I say Smoke, Granderson, Solarte, Depera, Pilar. I would probably go Smoke, Solarte, Depera, Pilar, and Granderson to about the same. I feel like the guy who's trading for Granderson knows exactly what he wants. And I feel yeah, like the guy just... trading for Pilar doesn't know what he's getting. That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> but, I mean, I think there's a very clear top two in Solarte and Smoke. Yeah, I agree as well. Because of the contract combined with the performance. Yeah. It's, it's a tough combination to beat for either of those guys. All right. I, okay. I don't think we have a category for our next two items. Because our next two items are... Uh, weird I think weird goes beyond so first of all um, this is audio of Joey Votto I hope you can hear it walking up to a, a regular attendance gate at the Cubs game let's go Votto Joey Votto that's the man MVP, Joey. Um, uh, <laughs> you gotta learn so, that name, man. <laughs> so the the muffled response that you heard was the Cubs person at the gate having no clue who Joey Votto was. So Votto just turned to the nearest person and went, "Hey, who am I?" <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, "Joey Votto, MVP." <laughs> like, and they let him in. He didn't have to show any ID. Nope. Didn't even have to put his keys in the thing. And he just gently patted the uh, security guy like, you'll get your job right one day. 
it's it's the only positive use of hey do you know who i am i, I think i've ever seen yeah do you know who i am no that guy does <laughs> And he did hand out a free fist bump for being uh, correctly re recognized and identified by the uh, by the person filming. So that was cool. <laughs> free fist bumps all around. Uh, what's your weirdness? Do you have the audio of that one? Uh, I do. I do. I do. It's right. But it's a little harder than people think. Even though you got a good arm as an outfielder. The one, two. Not that easy to... Just hit 90. Will Myers just hit one into the pool, and I almost called it. I was watching the <laughs> I was game. like, what is he? I was just, Justin I, I, and I were looking at yeah, each other. Like, I, was, what did, I looked at the field. Like, yeah, there was no pitch. Happened. I was Will Myers just hit one. So that's... So, yeah, go ahead. That's John Shamby from ESPN Radio. <clears throat> Chris Singleton is just describing something because it's between pitches, and he's doing what analysts do. And then Shamby starts calling a pitch that was not happening in their game. <laughs> Because he was looking at his phone and watching Jeff Mathis pitching in another game. And he started calling the pitch from a different game. How in the... I feel like that's a thing Buck Martinez would do in a heartbeat. That's all I'm saying about that. And he'd call a swing and a drive. And it's like, what? Nothing's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, that looks... And then Pat you would him, agree because that's what Pat does. <laughs> when you hear him go, and the one, two. There's no pitch happening where the other guy is talking. Just a... So you completely understand that if you're listening. That one two is thousands of miles away from the game they're actually calling. <laughs> Correct. Oh. How did yeah. I don't even know. Uh proof that position players pitching fascinates everyone still. Yeah, and giving up bombs. But uh so this is not a do-over because he tweeted it out himself. <laughs> Yeah, he he owned up to the do-over 100%. He even says, like, I'm a moron, audio to follow. <laughs> and then the follow-up tweet was the audio. Yeah, I'm going to capture this for myself forever. You don't need to embarrass me. I'm going to take care of that. I got this one. Oh, my goodness. Folks, it... this is how you do a do-over. You just do something ridiculous, and then you own it, and then we can't make fun of you for it after that you know we did it now but we won't do it again well we'll still put you on the podcast regardless of whether you own it or not you know oh for sure yeah 100 percent. oh alrighty, righty i'll turn it over to you do you have a final thought yeah uh i was gonna talk about the blue jays being two and 22 and zero home run game which is worse than baseball but we we were talking about this off the air with mike son this has to come up there's nothing that shows the Astros being farther away from where they used to be than the way the game ended against Oakland last night. We will put this clip in the podcast post on the BP Toronto site if you haven't seen it. But it was a swinging bunt by Alex Bredman. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy picked it up, tried to tag him, dropped the ball, then picked it up and threw it off Bregman's helmet into the outfield. The winning run scored. I mean, if... I said that play happened five years ago. You would just know it was the Astros who were on defense, right? Absolutely. 100%. The Astral Halls. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> baseball has really turned around. <laughs> now they are, uh, they are the perpetrators of the madness, not the victims of it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't, that was also where I was going with my final thought because the play was so insane. I, Rarely is something more deflating than a walk-off walk, but a failed tag on a third strike bunt and a multiple base error and trot home is wow. <laughs> Alex Bredman is like, he's the king of the walk-offs that the ball doesn't go more than 20 feet. It was either earlier this year or last year, he had an infield pop-up that landed in front of the pitcher's mound for a walk-off. Would you believe, I believe it was also against Oakland? I think so. <laughs> maybe maybe the secret <laughs> isn't the Astros here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, what I should be saying at this point is uh, that uh, you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and our guest was Dr. Mike Sun at Mike Sun. I'm hoping it's at Mike Dr. Sun. Mike Sun. Dr. Mike Sun on the Twitter. 
Uh, thank you once again for joining us. And this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 109. And we'll talk at you next week. Thank you.